We are glad that you are here with us this morning. I've got, I'm going to try something in a minute here. So I need, we'll just set it there. Uh, we are glad that you are here with us uh, this Labor Day weekend. Uh, we are continuing our uh, journey through John uh, and Rusty, thank you uh, for your words opening us. I, I, I love that, that picture of, uh, of the ark and being that, that passage. We talked a couple of weeks about this significance of, uh, of crossing, uh, crossing the water. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, John 6. Uh, we're at the end of John 6, uh, like 66. I, I'm going to read a little bit of what Nathaniel had uh, went through uh, last week because then it flows right into this. But we're looking at basically the response after Jesus teaches about the bread of life. And so we're going to be like 66 through 71 in chap John chapter 6. Um, so if you've got Bible or app or something, I encourage you to, to grab that. Um, this is ultimately Jesus calls us to make a decision. Um, and we are going to see that in this passage. And so follow him or not, we've got to decide. Um, and so I want to share with you uh, in, in that vein. Joshua 24, um, 15, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so John it, it captures for us in chapter 6, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, and you, have no, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him, just as the living Father sent me. And I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue of Capernaum. And on hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware of his disciples were, were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh accounts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did, did not believe and who would betray him and went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned 
back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Peter responds, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. This is a hard teaching, they say. Proverbs 30, writer in Proverbs 13, 18, this came to me as I was kind of pondering this. It says, there are three things that are too amazing for me, four that I do not understand. The way of the eagle in the sky, the way of the snake on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man and a woman. I would agree. And in life, I'm... I come before a lot of things that I'm like, I, I just don't understand. Like, I feel like I've got some good street smarts. But luckily, you know, we, we have the Google. And so we can, like, punch stuff in and see, uh, look up facts, double check them, triple check them, right? Uh but, like, how does a snake move? Like, I get that it's, like, uh, moving its muscles or what. Like, but come on. Okay. Well, now we have AI. And I don't know, like, I ch this may, like, catch some of you off guard. I don't know. But, like, we have AI. Chat GPT is, like, a thing. It's basically, like, this model that is way smarter than I am. Uh, but that's why I brought my microphone. We're, we're going to play for just a second, and I promise it's going somewhere. Um, but like... Uh, okay, let's turn this off. Does that work? I turn this off. Yeah, no? Hello? Okay. Uh... So let's let's do this. There's tons of apps that use this stuff, um, but let me just kind of show you what I'm what I'm talking about. Write a welcome for church. Uh, write a welcome for church. Write a welcome for church. Welcome to our church. We are delighted to have you join us in worship and fellowship. Whether you are a longtime member or a first-time visitor, we extend our warmest greetings to you. Our church is a place of love, acceptance, and spiritual growth, where people from all walks of life come together as a community. We hope that you will find comfort, inspiration, and a sense of belonging here. May your time with us be filled with blessings and may you find peace and joy in the presence of God. That wasn't me. I didn't, I didn't type it. Like, it just, if I gave it that again, it would come up with another different one. But the beauty of this, remember I told you I'm street smart. Uh, I can have it explain things. Let's see. 
Explain black holes like I am five years old. Sure. Imagine you have a toy that's really heavy, like a super-duper heavy ball. Now, if you throw the ball up in the air, it usually comes back down because of gravity. But what if you could throw the ball so high and so fast that it never came back down? That's kind of like a black hole. A black hole is a place in space where gravity is super, super strong. It's like a cosmic vacuum cleaner that sucks everything in, even light. Just like how your toy ball gets stuck in one place. Things that get too close to a black hole get trapped and can't escape. Black holes are really weird and mysterious, but they're also very fascinating. Scientists study them to learn more about the universe and how it works. I get that. Like, I, I can wrap my mind around it. I'm not going to... But now if you say, how do they form? Not as a... Like, I get an answer... I get an answer that's way over my head. It starts talking about the physics of it and, and how all that works. And I'm like, I, I, that's a hard teaching, <laughs> right? That is a hard teaching. Have you ever thought about, okay, we're, we're still on track but off track. Have you ever thought about Mars? Like, we literally have sent rocket ships to Mars. At the closest, because of uh, it, it we're in ellipse um, spinning around, at the closest we're 33.9 million miles. At the farthest, we're 249 million miles away from Mars. Okay. We have sent rovers, robots, whatever, you, we have sent them to Mars, and they didn't just crash, they landed. Did you know we sent a, uh, a rover to Mars in 1996? I didn't realize that. I wasn't really up on the news in 96. Uh, but, like, do you remember even having a cell phone in 1996? Like, I don't know if we were able to get the picture or not. Um, but, like, we were Googling what cell phones models were, and it was like the flip out. You're punching T9 like 50 times just to say help on your cell phone. Um, but we sent a, a, a rover to Mars, like I, I'm wondering. So we sent one in 96, we sent one in 2003. Uh, one in a 2011, Curiosity it, it is still functioning. We're communicating with this 249 million miles away. We're communicating with these robots and rovers and they have the battery power. Come on, my cell phone doesn't last until the nighttime when I've got to plug it in. But we got a rover on Mars for the last 12 years driving around up there. I lose connection and don't get signal when I'm at Glendale camping. It's five miles from my house. How is that even possible? That's hard teaching. 
look at an IRS tax booklet. That's a hard teaching. My kids are explaining to me Minecraft and like all these different things. I'm like, that's, that's a hard teaching. And when Jesus, when people listen to Jesus, sometimes in Scripture, he's hard to understand, like he's speaking in cursive, right? He's on one level, and the others are way down here. Like he, he, he and especially we see it in John. The woman at the well encounters Jesus, and the Lord says, I, I come to give living water. And the woman doesn't understand. Uh, well, where's your bucket? Like, where is the wa- where's the water? She's on one level, Jesus on another. She doesn't understand. Nicodemus, you mu- Jesus tells him, you must be born again. Oh, really? Just how am I supposed to climb back into the womb? Again, one level, Jesus on another level. He, d- he doesn't understand. And this morning, I, I am the bread of life. He talks about the importance of the sacrament. I tell you the truth, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Jesus talks about eternal life. He talks about the resurrection of the dead. He talks about how he and God the Father are one. I'm pretty sure that people are getting it, though. In this instant, it, they're getting it, and it is pretty amazing. Maybe the first time in John's gospel, I have to go back and, and check myself, but Jesus is on this level, and it appears that, that most are on that level. They get it. I don't know what they would do with tax codes and black holes and all that stuff, but the, the, the theology Jesus is presenting, they're getting. Jesus and God the Father are one. Jesus comes to offer eternal life. The problem's not that they don't understand. Okay, their, their understanding, in the Greek, Scleros means hard to accept. Some some uh, translations have it hard to understand. Um, I think it's more of a hard to accept translation. And they come to this important decision. They decide not to follow Jesus. It is an amazing thing, but Jesus, we see, was not for everyone. In fact, thousands of people deserted him. At the beginning of chapter 6, Jesus had a congregation of over 5,000, let's say. At the end of this chapter, all but a handful have deserted him. Like, I'm pretty sure we're scheduled to have a, a... our monthly leadership meeting. We meet at the first Wednesday of every month um, here at, at Harvest. If last week there were 5,000 people here and this week there were 12, I'm pretty sure Bobby and Shorty and those guys are going to be like have some questions <laughs> for, for me. What's going on? Everybody leaves And he turns to the disciples and asks, will you leave me too? But we see Jesus remaining steadfast. He doesn't adjust his teaching in order to gain his followers back. 
Like he doesn't beg them all to come back. He doesn't say, well, you don't have to accept the, the notion that God the Father and I are one. Just, just focus like on love your neighbor. No, Jesus wants people to decide. Follow me or not. There's no halfway. And many times we think there is. This is the difficulty with Christianity. It demands an act of surrender to Christ. It demands an acceptance of him uh, as the final authority. It demands this moral standard of the highest level. The disciples were well aware that Jesus had claimed to be the very life and mind of God to come to earth. But here's the deal. You have to decide to accept this. You have to accept that Jesus is God. And you may find yourself saying, that's a hard saying. It's easy to say, well, you know, I believe Jesus was a good man. I, I believe he was a good teacher. Plenty of other historical books aside from the Bible speak of Jesus and his teachings. But, you know, Mr. Chapman was a good man. He was a good teacher. No one knows who Mr. Chapman was, though, because while he was a good man and a good teacher, he was not God. Mr. Chapman was my ninth grade English teacher. So a good guy and a good teacher... We all know people who are good. We, they may be good teachers. They may have wisdom. They may be able to do great things. Jesus was all that, but he was the son of God, is the son of God. And that can be a hard teaching. But we're called to a decision. In the Old Testament lesson, Joshua stands before the people and tells them all of the great things that God has done for him. And then he looks at him and says, time to decide. You may find following God undesirable. Follow him or not. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, right? And in the gospel, in the scripture today, there is that moment, a moment of decision. And the people in John's gospel make different decisions. For some, deciding means defection. They, they outright reject what Jesus is teaching and who he is. They turn back. They go home. They never follow him again. Jesus was challenging the, these long-held beliefs. But the people didn't want to examine their old faith. Jesus was headed for trouble. Like, it, it, the people wanted that easy out. Like a fair, you heard a fair weather friend. It's like somebody, they're there until the times get tough, and then they're nowhere to be found, right? This kind of half-hearted followers, Jesus had those. 
And you can't just decide to follow Jesus halfway. Like, you, you can't come to church and get filled with warm fuzzies or, or, or whatever and then not accept that Jesus calls us to serve the widows and the poor. And, the, and you have to decide. Others that were there deciding meant distraction, okay? Not a focused decision, but this kind of, again, vague, half-hearted, semi-commitment. And at the end of this passage, we see this foreshadowing of what's to come in Judas. Jesus looks around at a few of his disciples that he had left and says, one of you is the devil, and he meant, and John tells us in the gospel that he meant Judas, who was going to betray him. Judas could have been a hero, but instead he became a villain. Like you don't hear St. Judas Hospital, right, or St. Judas Presbyterian Church. The multitude in this text follow Jesus for a while, but then when they understand what Jesus is all about, they make a decision, and that decision is to defect, to leave, to go away from Jesus. Jesus, uh, Judas follows Jesus, and when he comes to a decision point about whether to accept the full teachings of Christ, his decision is also to reject the, the teachings of Jesus, but... Unlike the multitude, he, he doesn't defect. He, he lingers. He, he doesn't believe in his heart, but he still is ha- basically is like he's still hanging out at the church. He stays with Christ and the other disciples. And we have people like that in churches throughout our world. People come to church, wear a cross around their neck, drop a little bit in the offering. But if they're asked to get groceries for shut-ins or or step out in their faith, they're like, New Testament, James 2.26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. In Matthew's Gospel 7.20 and 21, Jesus talked about such people who say they're followers but aren't. And he said, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does with the will of my Father who is in heaven. And so, like, here's, here's what keeps getting stuck in my mind. And I, the gospel is a verb. Like, I want you to get stuck on that and think of that. Like, the gospel is 
our salvation, but the gospel is a verb. I can act it out. I can do I can be the gospel to others around me. Like you decide to do something or you don't, right? And like if I'm standing here and I'm telling you I'm going to run out of this place and I stand up but then don't do it, it's pretty black and white. Like I didn't run. Like I either, I may have said I ran, but if I don't run out of here, I didn't run. That's pretty, like, I don't need the, you know, explain this to me. I remember reading a story. It was, uh, it was a story from the beginning of the Gulf War, and a soldier had, had been in the military but was suing the U.S. government to get out of the military, and his defense was that I signed up for Army during peacetime. No one told me that we, I would have to go to war. What? Kind of the point. To be ready. The same thing happens in churches, though, right? I signed up to be this church member. Nobody told me that I needed to be a Christian. Jesus says, decide. Follow me or not, but decide. Revelation 3, 14, 18, the church of Laodicea. Verse 15, I, I know your deeds, that they are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. There were many there that that decision meant determination. So they were defectors, they were deceivers, they were, but there were some that their decision was determination. And we see a multitude of people that who have been fed and nurtured by Jesus turn and desert on him. And Jesus, in sadness again, talk, speaks to his disciples, will you also leave? No, only you have the words of eternal life. And so Peter and I, many of the other disciples, it's a decision of determination. Peter makes a decision. I will follow you. I understand you and the Father are one. I understand you claim to give eternal life. I, I accept. I believe. I will follow. I am determined. And Peter followed Christ with this determined devotion. Yes, there were times later in the gospel when he, he failed Christ. And Jesus was arrested. And aren't you one of his disciples? No, 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 no. Wrong guy, wrong guy. Identity theft. Three times he's asked. And three times he denies not even knowing Christ. Okay, this is a tragic failure on Peter's part. But that's not the end of Peter's commitment. That failure means it simply becomes something to overcome. 
And there are times when Peter was confused by Jesus. He didn't understand what Jesus was trying to say. Jesus is on one level, Peter's on another. There's a great passage where Jesus is trying to teach his disciples using a parable in, in Matthew 15. And Peter listens very patiently and then says, explain the parable to us. And Jesus responds, are you still so dull? Like, that, that. But the inability to understand everything Jesus taught him didn't mean an end to his commitment. Peter remained determined to stand by his decision to follow God. And so then... What about, what about us? What, what about you and I? What decisions have you made? Are you like the multitude who decide uh, to desert? Can't accept anything. That, like, that's way too much. Like, this is a hard, this is a hard saying. I'm out. Like, we can be like Judas our decisions distracted, we're unfocused, we've got a whole nother plan brewing underneath, behind the scenes. You're, you're, you're lingering, but there's really no commitment in your heart. Or we can find ourselves like Peter having this dedication, th this grit. William Barclay uh, writes a lot of commentary and, and different things. Um, and he writes of Peter, he says, Peter's loyalty was based on a personal relationship to Christ. Like, there were many things he didn't understand. He was often puzzled as anyone else. But there was something about Jesus for which he would eventually be willing to die. In the last analysis, Christianity is not a philosophy which we accept, nor a theory to which we give alliance. It's a personal response to Jesus Christ. So it's not a philosophy that we're accepting. It's, it's not a theory that we're aligning ourselves to. It is a personal response and relationship with Christ. And so then, the gospel is a verb. It is an action. Church is a verb. Church is a place where we come, where, where we fellowship, where we sharpen one another, where we worship. But shouldn't the church be a verb? Shouldn't the church be outside of these walls? Shouldn't the church, I'm pretty sure Scripture is explaining to us that we are to be His hands and feet. And where there is faith without works is dead. Faith is a verb. We... We are on the threshold, I believe, of getting this or not getting this as a church. 
have readied ourselves as a body, as a family. And I, I believe with all my heart and our leadership believes that we're ready to be that verb. We're ready to put into action. And so I ask of you, what does that look like? It may be an individual. We've got cards throughout here, uh, orange cards. I almost made them white, and I thought, nope, these things are going to end up on the floor. <laughs> Bright orange cards as a tool for a couple of different reasons. One I, the leadership, those that are teaching, the, the, the individuals that are over different teams here, let's say the 10 to 15 of us can't do it all, nor are we called to do it all. We are a fellowship of believers. We are saints. And so when we make that decision, if we are living the gospel as a verb, if we are doing church as a verb, we need to be growing, we need to be serving, we need to be connecting, right? And so maybe that means seeing if we can get some additional small groups going this fall. Maybe it's growing with us and taking a look at what this youth ministry looks like because it's growing as fast as we can keep up with it. Maybe it's leading a study or a group Maybe it's meeting up with a team to, to brainstorm and implement reach outside of these walls. I don't have a set game plan. I have been praying. Our leadership has been praying. I mean, no, many of you have been praying. But we are on the threshold of getting it or not getting it. And I want to get it. I want to be the hands and feet. And I believe we are uniquely positioned and gifted to go. So Joshua puts it very simply, choose this day whom you will serve. We've got to make a decision. My prayer is that you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, but beyond that, that you submit and that you're willing to put into action what we see in Scripture. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I, there's so many different things in, in your word that that. I look at man that's a hard that's a hard saying that that's a hard teaching that that's 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 
That's difficult. But God, you empower us. It's through your Holy Spirit that allows us to do these things. And so, God, we just pray that you would lead us, that you would empower us, that that you would go out before us as we long to be your hands and feet. How what do we need for ourselves to be better, to, to, to grow more like you? How can we minister to others? God, how can we fill our cup and then pour our cup out into others? And so, God, lead us in that. Give us a boldness to step out. God, I'm, I'm on the sidelines, and I want to be in the game. And sometimes that's just a matter of raising your hand and saying, let's go. So, God, we just we know our hearts in this room. I just pray that you would lay open and speak to each and every one of us in a different unique way and we pray over your word we pray over those that are away part of our family this morning that are away and God we just pray strength and boldness and endurance over this body of believers we pray these things in your son Jesus name